Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And welcome everybody to an exciting episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I hope that everybody had a great Easter weekend as I'm really excited about this show. We've got a great show for you. We're going to recap the NBA playoffs as the Atlanta Hawks just did not show up Sunday. They didn't show up. I'll talk about that game. I'm a little frustrated because I thought the Atlanta Hawks were going to steal game one. And then we're going to talk about the USFL. Did anybody even watch? I mean, all these games are being played in Birmingham. We had the Birmingham Stallions taking on the New Jersey Generals. We had some good games, and I'm going to talk about the USFL. And then Major League Baseball, the Atlanta Braves split a four-game series on the road against the San Diego Padres. They've got a tough series coming up against the Dodgers. All right, I want to talk about the Hawks because over the weekend, I mean, congratulations for them getting into the playoffs. They did win two games in the play-in round. They beat the Charlotte Hornets at home. Then they traveled to Cleveland on Friday night to take on the Cleveland Cavaliers. They were down in that game and Trey Young willed his way back. And it made me wonder, did they just run out of energy because they had a short turnaround having to travel down to Miami for a game one against the Miami Heat on Sunday at one o'clock in the afternoon? The Miami Heat had an entire week off and they had an incredible game plan to stop Trey Young. I mean, he was one for 12. Eight points, six turnovers. The only bright spot for the Hawks was Danilo Gallinari. They have got to find other scoring besides Trey Young. I hope they bounce back. I think this is going to be a short series if the Hawks do not make adjustments. They lost pretty bad, 115-91. to I listened to this game on the radio when I was driving home from Atlanta. And the Miami Heat were the number one seed for a reason. Duncan Robinson hit eight threes. P.J. Tucker was a junkyard dog. Not only did he have 16 points, but... He was physical on the defensive side of the ball. They just had the game plan to trap Trey Young, to get physical with him. Jimmy Butler and Trey Young got double technicals. It was just a physical game that the Hawks could not handle. And hopefully they bounce back on Tuesday night. And the goal is to go 1-1 back to Atlanta. They'll take on the Miami Heat this Friday night at State Farm Arena. As a Hawks fan, was your expectations really the second round or the Eastern Conference Finals? You look at all the teams left in the Eastern Conference. I mean, you have Brooklyn, a number seven seed. You have Philly, Toronto. Chicago reeled a little bit, but they made that game against the Bucks interesting. Yes, I am very disappointed in the Atlanta Hawks, and I hope that this is not an early playoff round exit like they had in 2010 when they got swept by the Orlando Magic or in... 2009 when they got swept by the Cavaliers, but they at least made it to the second round. It's good to see the Hawks back in the playoffs, but I was hoping for a long series against a number one seed, which they're good defensively, but who is their star after Jimmy Butler? I don't trust Kyle Lowry. Look, Duncan Robinson had 27 points. I don't think he's going to duplicate that in game two. The Hawks are going to make adjustments, and I think game two is going to be a little bit closer Hopefully the Hawks can steal one 
in game two. We're going to actually go through all the NBA playoff games starting on Saturday. I mean, you had the Jazz beating the Mavericks 99-93. to No Luka Doncic. And, you know, the Jazz took advantage. And home court shifts back to Utah, which Utah is a very tough team at home. I think that the Jazz, if Luka does not play in game two, the Jazz go up 2-0 back to Utah. This Minnesota-Memphis game I watched on TV, and it looked like Minnesota carried that momentum from the playing game to Memphis, beating the Memphis Grizzlies 130-117. to It clearly was an exciting game. It's just that Minnesota, too much Carl Anthony Towns in the middle. Anthony Edwards had a very impressive playoff debut with 36 points, despite 32 points from John Morant. Minnesota was able to capitalize on the mistakes. They shot 50%. Memphis didn't get anything from Steven Adams. Their bench, Tyus Jones, Jaron Jackson, and Dylan Brooks got into foul trouble. It looks like they were undersized as Memphis did not have an answer for Carl Anthony Towns as he also had 29 points. The Minnesota Timberwolves also got 25 points from Malik Beasley off the bench. Memphis is going to make adjustments. Remember, Memphis locked in the number two seed a long time ago. Minnesota had to win a play-in game to get here. So Memphis is going to make adjustments. They are the better team. They are the number two seed. Minnesota is the number seven seed. I think they steal a game in Minnesota, bring the home court back to Memphis, and this is going to be a long series. I think these two teams are talented, and this was really the most wildly excited game on Saturday. I was looking forward to seeing this game, and it was great. Because the other games, the 76ers beating the Raptors 131 to 111, that was a blowout. The Nuggets losing to the Warriors 123 to 107, that was a blowout. As a basketball fan, I want to see games that go down to the wire. And so I was disappointed with the Heat and the Hawks game, but the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics, that lived up to the hype. First of all, all that drama with the Boston fans chanting at Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving giving them gestures. And he lived up to the hype. That was such a great game. Boston did have a big lead. Brooklyn did come back to take a five-point lead. And then at the buzzer, Jason Tatum with the putback. This is going to be a long series. Both teams, it's going to go either way. And I think that the Brooklyn Nets do have what it takes to get past the Celtics. But Boston, I heard this on SportsCenter, but this is the first time that a playoff home game in Boston ended on a buzzer beater. That's pretty impressive. And the defending NBA champs, the Milwaukee Bucks, did get by the Chicago Bulls 93-86. to It was a very low-scoring defensive battle. Giannis did have 27 points. Maybe this was a wake-up call for Milwaukee because they're clearly the better team than the Chicago Bulls. And they should be able to win this series. They, I mean, they, it was close. They almost lost this series. I mean, Alex Caruso, the former Los Angeles Laker, went off in that fourth quarter. And then, of course, the nightcap, Chris Paul. Not only does he assist, but he also scores. He had no problem against the New Orleans Pelicans as Chris Paul was vintage Chris Paul with 30 points, 10 assists. DeAndre Ayton chipped in 21 points. And clearly, the Phoenix Suns were the best team all year. Is this their year to win the championship? The Phoenix Suns have never won a championship. Chris Paul, as a player, has never won a championship. And this could be the greatest turnaround in NBA history because three years ago, they only won 19 games. Three years ago, before they got Chris Paul, they did have rising stars like Devin Booker. 
and DeAndre Ayton's first rookie season. They did get him in the number one draft pick in the 2018 NBA draft. So you look at the Phoenix Suns and the turnaround they did. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I think the Phoenix Suns not only get past the New Orleans Pelicans, but if we have an upset in the second round between Minnesota and Memphis, you could possibly see the Golden State Warriors actually get by Minnesota and meet up the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference Finals. Because that second round matchup, either whether it's going to be Utah or Dallas, Phoenix clearly has the advantage. Oh, I love talking about NBA playoffs. You know, and I'll talk NHL playoffs too. Those playoffs will start May the 2nd. But we did have a busy week of Major League Baseball. The Atlanta Braves, they split the season series. They split the series with the San Diego Padres. Right now, they are 5-6 and six on the season. Some of the highlights over the weekend, Bryce Elder pitched pretty good. Kyle Wright pitched pretty good. Marcelo Zuna did get a home run. He's leading the team with three home runs. And so the Atlanta Braves have a very tough series against the Dodgers, a rematch of the 2021 and 2020 NLCS. What can you say about Clayton Kershaw? He's going on the mound today, going up against Huskar Yona, who has struggled for the Braves. I'm interested to see how well the Braves play in this series. Right now, they are 5-6. and six. The Dodgers are 7-2. and two. They are tied with the San Francisco Giants with the best record in Major League Baseball, both with a record of 7-2. and two. And I got to tell you, that pennant race last year when the Giants won 107 games and the Dodgers won 106, I'd be okay if that happened again because these two teams are great as far as baseball excellence and the front office has made moves the Dodgers have made some moves to improve from their last year look the Dodgers have always been all in if they don't win the World Series it's a disappointment the Giants able to win the division last year slowed the Dodgers down when they got to the NLCS they did not have enough energy to match the Braves and the Braves also had home field advantage Think about that. The Dodgers won 106 games. They didn't even win the division. They had to win the play-in game against the St. Louis Cardinals to face the Giants, which the Giants took them to five games. Some of the most incredible five games, and that was probably the most exciting NLDS I've ever seen. And, you know, I'm not talking just because I'm a Giants fan that I'm being biased. It's just the truth. All right, I'm going to switch gears, and I'm going to talk about USFL. I love football. I mean, a lot of us love football. I mean, we had the spring game. You had the G-Day game against the red team and the black team for the University of Georgia. And after watching that, there's still, you know, Stetson Bennett is the starting quarterback. I don't think Gunnar Stockton or Brock Vandegrift is going to beat Stetson Bennett out. He's clearly ready to start week one against the Oregon Ducks. So it was nice to see all these spring games in college football. But we did have the USFL and of course, of course, it's played a little differently. Eight teams that are in Birmingham, which is kind of cool. I kind of feel bad for those other cities. They can't host their teams. But here are some of the scores. Okay, so the Birmingham Stallions kicked things off Saturday night. I watched a little bit of the pregame show. I mean, you got three-point conversion. You got helmet cams. It's pretty exciting. So the Birmingham Stallions beat the New Jersey Generals 28-24. to You had the Houston Gamblers beating the Michigan Panthers 17-10. to 
to 12. The New Orleans Breakers beating the Philadelphia Stars 23 to 17. And the Tampa Bay Bandits and the Pittsburgh Maulers was rained out. And so we're going to have a Monday night football game tonight on FS1. This is incredible. We get Monday night football today. That's pretty exciting. I'm probably going to watch that because, you know, it's football and it's the only game right now as far as the outdoor football game. Now, switching gears over to the indoor football game, I want to talk about indoor football for a second because this Saturday is the home opener and the season opener for the Columbus Lions for the 2022 National Arena League season. I am excited to be part of the broadcast team. I got the coach's show tomorrow called Roar Time with head coach Jason Gibson. We are going to preview that game against the Jacksonville Sharks, the two-time NAL champions. And guess what? They are getting their head coach back. Jacksonville is not the same team that they were last year. They had a lot of injuries. They went 2-6 and six last year. They're getting their championship coach, Saya Burley, back. He won titles with the Jacksonville Sharks in 2017 and 2019. And they're getting former Pro Bowl kicker from the Jacksonville Jaguars, Mike Hollis, As he left the NFL, he made the Pro Bowl back in 2008 for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He last played in the NFL in 2003, but he was a Pro Bowl kicker for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 1998. He was the Jaguars' first kicker in their franchise, kicked for the Jaguars from 1995 to 2001. He was also the NFL scoring leader in 1997. He's 49 years old, but if he loves to kick, give him a shot. He's going to be kicking for the Jacksonville Sharks. This is pretty incredible. And also, the Jacksonville Sharks have a new quarterback, Malik Henry. If you all remember him, he was in that documentary on Netflix called Last Chance U. He was a five-star quarterback that played at Florida State. He left, and he went to go play at the University of Nevada. Last year, he was in the Indoor Football League playing for the Frisco Fighters. So this Jacksonville team is going to be a lot different than the team that went 2-6 and six last year. And this is the Columbus Lions' biggest rival. Columbus, of course, has Mason Espinosa back. They have veteran wide receiver Jarman Fortson. And they have the NAL's leading kicker from the Albany Empire, Craig Peterson, on the team. I cannot wait to call these games. Doing the color commentating alongside Jared Dillard is going to be great. We also have our podcast called The Lion's Den as we will recap every single game this season. So the Columbus River Dragons are in the playoffs. They are guaranteed to play in the semifinals of the Federal Prospects Hockey League as they wrapped up the number two seed. They will await the winner of the Danbury Hattricks and the Port Huron Prowlers. The Watertown Wolves got the number one seed. They will take on the winner of the Beamington Black Bears and the Carolina Thunderbirds. The River Dragons got two impressive road victories over Port Huron over the weekend. And they go into the playoffs strong as they're trying to defend their Ignite Cup championship from 2021. This year, they're calling it the Commissioner's Cup. And Watertown is the favorite because they are the number one seed. If Columbus has anything to prove is that they are a very scrappy team that has a lot of great players like Josh Pietrantonio, Jay Krupp, and Austin Dozier Day. Great team around them and looking forward to the playoffs. All right, well, congratulations to Columbus State University for getting two more victories over the weekend. They did have that Saturday game being rained out as their series finale was rained out. They will take on Shorter University 
on Tuesday up in Rome, Georgia. That is Shorter University. As they do get ready for a three-game series at Burger King Stadium at Ragsdale Field this weekend against Georgia College, a Peach Belt Conference Series. Columbus State is currently 33-6 overall, 17-3 in the Peach Belt. And this weekend, they will honor the 2002 NCAA champions that won the College World Series in 2002. It is the 20th anniversary. That's going to be a great event. And I would love to try to come down there. I am calling the Lions later that afternoon. That first pitch is at 1. I might have to swing by the baseball stadium before I get ready to call the game because I would love to be a part of that. I mean, I've talked to several people in the Columbus State University Athletic Department, including the athletic director, both head basketball coaches of the men and women's team, and of course, the play-by-play announcer, Scott Miller. I would love to get involved in Columbus State Athletics. I think that As a resident of Columbus since 2015, I'm already involved with the Columbus Rapids, the Columbus Lions, and Russell County High. That could be the next step, and I really would like to be a part of something special. You know, it's been almost three weeks since I've had a guest on this show, and I do feel like I need to have guests because it makes the show more interesting. Now, as I have my weekly guests, I do have spots open. If anybody's interested in being a guest, I will just do a show and we'll just air it either on Tuesday or Thursday. I mean, that is the plan is to, to go three days a week with guests and the Tuesday and Thursday shows are usually just filler. Like whatever I can do. I have my sports documentaries. I had a sports documentary of Justin Dale didn't have a timestamp on it. So I could just air it whenever. And that's what I'd like to do with Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm not going to have a show talking about, all the sports scores on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But I would like to do a show five days a week for the radio station that I am a part of, WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key, out of Noonan, Georgia. And I got to tell you, I was driving up to Atlanta this weekend for Easter Sunday because my church does something called Lads to Leaders. And that was up in Atlanta for convention. And I was driving up there. And you got to remember, I just ha- I just got done with my two weeks of military training. So I was driving up there and... I just happened to turn the radio dial to 99.1. Going right through Noonan, I could hear it just fine. And that was great. And it was right around 4.50-ish. I was listening to the end of the Rick Smith show. I was hoping to get my show on. I really wanted to hear my show like on the radio dial, but I listened to my show online. But that was a really cool moment just to, to hear the radio station driving through Noonan. So NFL wide receivers, Terry McLaurin for the Washington Commanders, A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans, and Debo Samuel from the San Francisco 49ers are all looking for new deals as they are at the end of their rookie contracts. And that's what happens when you're a star wide receiver and you establish the market, the big contracts that Stephon Diggs and Tyreek Hill have already gotten. I expect Cooper Cup to get paid as well. They are holding out at minicamp until they get new deals. What I don't agree with is them taking down all their team paraphernalia off their Twitter page and unfollowing the team. That is just childish. As a San Francisco 49ers fan, I hope that the 49ers do give Debo Samuel the contract extension. He is very valuable as a wide receiver and as a running back. He's the most versatile wide receiver in the NFL. 
But is he worth the big-time money as a Cooper Cup or a Stephon Diggs or a Tyreek Hill? He's a different type of wide receiver. He's not a speedster like Tyreek Hill that could get down the field and, oh, if we just had a speedster like Tyreek Hill in the Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo might have, that pass might have been on target. But that's neither here nor there. Debo Samuel was the first wide receiver in 49ers history to make the Pro Bowl since Terrell Owens in 2003, which, by the way, Terrell Owens scored a touchdown in that fan control league. That's pretty awesome. As a San Francisco 49ers fan, I've been waiting for a star wide receiver. I mean, Bill Belichick is wanting to draft a star wide receiver. He hasn't had a star wide receiver since Randy Moss. I mean, Julian Edelman was a good possession wide receiver, but he wasn't worth the money. He was part of the system. He was part of the system along with Danny Amendola and Chris Hogan. But I am looking forward to this receiving core that the Niners have coming up into the 2022 season with Brandon Ayuk and Jawan Jennings. I just hope that Debo Samuel gets paid because he is a very special talent that the 49ers grabbed in the second round. So when you get a gym in the draft, that rookie contract is like a freebie. So you could spend money elsewhere. But if you want to stay with the team, you've got to get paid. And I think Debo Samuels, he's about to get paid a lucrative contract with the San Francisco 49ers, which means they're going to have to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. This is Trey Lance's team now. They've got to get rid of him. So next Thursday is the NFL Draft. And that is always an event that I like to sit down on the couch and watch on TV. And of course, Friday is the second and third round picks. And then Saturday, four through seven. And those are important too, but... It's something that you got to keep an eye on, these players that could fall into the second and third round. They've had a lot of mock drafts. The Jacksonville Jaguars have the number one pick, as they had the number one pick last year. They got their quarterback of the future. But what direction do they go? Do they protect his blind side by getting Evan Neal? Or do they get the most dominant pass rusher in this draft, Aiden Hutchinson? Another dominating pass rusher is Kayvon Thibodeau. But what direction does the Jacksonville Jaguars go? They are on the clock, and they have the first pick in the NFL draft. They have a new head coach, Doug Peterson. Last season was a disaster for the Jaguars on all levels. There really was no promise with Urban Meyer. It seemed like that was a circus, and hopefully... Players will respect Doug Peterson, who did win a Super Bowl with the Eagles. But I really think that the Jaguars, if they get an offensive lineman, you have two choices. You got Akeem Awanu from NC State, and you have Evan Neal from the University of Alabama. There really is not a definitive number one overall pick because the two edge rushers, Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau, are neck and neck. Even though Thibodeau has slipped in a lot of he has slipped in a lot of people's draft boards. That's a player to watch. I actually am excited to see Ahmad Sauce Garner out of Cincinnati. He is the sure lockdown corner, and he has skyrocketed on a lot of people's boards. At first, Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU was the lockdown corner in this draft, but Sauce Garner, he's got some swagger to him. He wants to be the best corner to come out of this draft. 
So I got this mock draft, and this is not from Mel Kuyper Jr. or Todd McShay. This is just out of CBSSports.com. So right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they got them picking Aiden Hutchinson. The Detroit Lions picking Kayvon Thibodeau. You got the Houston Texans picking Akim Iwanku. And if they really want to build that team around Davis Mills, they've got to get some protection for him. They do have Laramie Tunzel. They can slide Iquandu over to the right side. The New York Jets. The Jets are always about defense. Robert Sala is a defensive head coach, but they really need to get some weapons and some protection for Zach Wilson. This latest draft has got them picking Ahmad Gardner. It's a pretty good pick. Evan Neal sliding all the way down to number five to the Giants. You have another talented offensive lineman out of Mississippi State going to Carolina, Charles Cross. Now, this is an interesting pick because Carolina was the first team that I actually thought would take a quarterback. They might save that pick maybe draft down, and maybe get a quarterback in the second round. But there are talks that Kyler Murray is not happy with this situation in Arizona. That's something to think about. The defensive lineman from the University of Georgia, Trayvon Walker, who won a national championship. He was a very underrated defensive lineman because Jordan Davis got all the hype. Deontay Wyatt was also great on that line. But Trayvon Walker, a lot of people think that he could go number one. The Giants have another pick here as they got this pick from the Chicago Bears. This could be a good pickup for the Giants if they can get their offensive tackle of the future and their edge rusher, their defensive lineman of the future. That would be great because the Giants fan base are very impatient with Daniel Jones and this staff. Dave Gettleman is no longer the GM. They've got a new head coach in Brian Dable. I think the Giants... Hopefully, they can hit home runs with these first two top 10 picks. Then you got the first skill position coming off the board. Of course, this is just a a mock NFL draft, according to CBSSports.com. Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. Um, I'm surprised that Garrett Wilson is ranked ahead of Drake London. Both could have great NFL careers, but Garrett Wilson going to the Atlanta Falcons. And of course, the Atlanta Falcons could get a wide receiver here because they do not have any skill positions past running back and tight end. Their wide receiver core is really hurting. The Falcons have a lot of holes, but according to this draft, they have them taking a wide receiver, especially since Calvin Ridley has been suspended for an entire year. That's not the direction I would want to go with. I would love for them to get an edge rusher. They haven't had a dominant edge rusher since John Abraham because I don't count the whole Vic Beasley getting 16 sacks and then falling off a cliff. I mean, that was just a disaster of a pick. He had one great season because everything clicked for the Falcons in 2016 until they got to the Super Bowl. This is the pick I would love the Falcons to get is Jermaine Johnson. But Seattle looks like they're going to pick them because it looks like Seattle's going to pick Jermaine Johnson, the edge rusher out of Florida State. Seattle has the pick from Denver after the Russell Wilson trade. I really think they should get a quarterback. At number 10, Kyle Hamilton, his draft status has fallen. The safety out of Notre Dame going to the New York Jets. So the Jets beefing up their defense. And then the first quarterback coming off of the board, the Washington Commanders, which right now they have... Carson Wentz, but do they go quarterback here? Do they get Malik Willis, who's considered the best quarterback in the draft? There's a lot to think about this draft. I know that some of the players like Drake London, Jameson Williams, they have fallen quickly, but one player 
to look out for is George Pickens coming off of that injury and having a great national championship game with that amazing catch. He could slip into the he could slide into the first round and be a surprise for a lot of teams. But if I look at the quarterbacks right now, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Riddler, Sam Howell, Malik Willis, and Matt Corral, which quarterback will have the best pro career? Which has the most upside? Which will have the best career? And it depends on what system they go into. Because if you look at the five quarterbacks from last NFL draft, Mac Jones had the best rookie season because he went into the best system. Trey Lance probably has the best upside. Trevor Lawrence has the best upside. Zach Wilson's got the best arm. And if Justin Fields gets an opportunity to go into a system where he can succeed, I think all five quarterbacks could succeed in the league. But don't count on Davis Mills. He was a rookie last season, and he had the second-best rookie season behind Mac Jones. I cannot wait for the NFL draft. It is just such a wonderful time just to just to hear all the analysts and what they think is going to happen. And I'm going to talk about previous NFL drafts coming up next week as I hype up this NFL draft and what has been the best pick of all time and what has been the worst pick of all time. I mean, the best pick of all time, obviously, is Tom Brady in the seventh round. And I think the worst overall number one draft pick is got to be Tony Mandarich that the Green Bay Packers selected in the 1989 draft. That was absolutely awful. Or you can go the angle, Kajana Carter in 1995, or even uh, Jamarcus Russell. Terrible, terrible draft picks. I mean, I I really can go on about who are the biggest busts in NFL draft history. Uh, But yeah, that's for another show. I don't know how many listeners are actually listening I have the numbers of how many people have downloaded the podcast, but there's a lot of listeners that listen elsewhere. You can listen on the Facebook page. You can listen to it's you can listen to this online on WQEE or if you're in the Noonan area, you could just listen to it on Terrestrial Radio, which is pretty cool. I love the fact that I can be back on Terrestrial Radio as it's been a while as many of you know, I was on Terrestrial Radio for a couple of shows on 95.7 ESPN Radio out of Columbus, Georgia. But it's been quite the journey. I've really enjoyed just everything that I have been doing in broadcasting. And I'm looking forward to doing more projects. So hope that everybody has a great day. And I will see you Wednesday. Don't forget that I'm doing three shows this week. But starting April 25th, I plan on going to five days a week as on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I will have my sports documentaries featured shows where it's kind of going to be like an ESPN 30 for 30 style a show. And so I'm really looking forward to featuring that uh, might have guests on those shows, but I might just it just might just me be me off the cuff talking about just a, a historic team. And so next Tuesday, I'm going to talk about the 2006 Northern Little League team. And it's going to be a great show. I'm not going to have Josh Lester on the show. I could not get a hold of him. But I am going to talk about the team and their journey in 2006. I went to the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame where they have 
all their stuff. And of course, Warner Robins won it the year after. It was just a great time in Little League Baseball for the state of Georgia. Of course, I live near Northern Little League, and I love just driving by the stadium and seeing all those banners of all their championships they won for the state of Georgia. And of course, they do have a plaque right by the concession stands that has an engraved image of all the players and the coaches, and it marks their journey on how they won the Little League World Series by beating Japan. It was just an incredible year. They had to face double elimination a couple times in the Southeast Regional, and they were able to come back from that, and it was just such an amazing time for the Northern Little League team. And, of course, Josh Lester plays AAA ball for the Detroit Tigers. So that will be my first documentary, and it will air April 26th. So that's going to be on that Tuesday. You don't want to miss it. I will have my first sports documentary that's going to be related to Columbus sports on Thursday, April 28th. I'm going to have my second documentary and it will talk about USA softball in Columbus, Georgia and the impact it had on USA softball being in the Olympics. Well, that is all the time I have on the show today. I do want to thank all my listeners that have not only listened to me on the podcast, but also listened on WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key. And I hope that everybody has a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you Wednesday. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is broadcasted out of Columbus, Georgia, and focuses on the local and national sports scene. I am Richard Holdridge. If you have a sports question or if you would like to be a guest on the show, just inbox me on my Facebook page, The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, or on my Twitter feed. And as always, I hope that you have a blessed day. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdred. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.